It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Today, we're catching up on some listener questions that we've let build up over the last month or two. Sorry about that, guys. But we're going to talk about everything from how we stay up to date on current literature to some of our recommendations for preparing for clinical rotations. We're talking about motor skill acquisition and queuing, and we even throw in a Sharknado reference in the episode. As always, if you haven't already or if you are a listener on Spotify, head on over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it, and that's what helps us reach more people. Enjoy the episode. Josh, I hadn't seen you much this week. How you been? I've been good, man. New clinical started up. I'm up in uh, the great state of North Carolina now at Onward Charlotte with uh, Zach Long and Jordan Berry. Um, shout out to them. It's been awesome first week, but you're right. It keeps me uh, away from the gym and clinic. It's been, a, it's been a weird week for sure. So how is the rotation going? I mean, these guys are, are the goats right now. Yeah, I mean, is that, that new facility, is it, uh, is it as beautiful in person as it looks online? It is beautiful. It really is. Um, they did an awesome job with it, man. And it's a brand like a brand new building. I think Zach said like the construction of the building finished in like February. So um, it's right downtown. It's easy to get to off the highway. Um, so it, it, it's pretty great, man. A lot of natural light coming through. It's all they, you know, they put down new flooring. They've got all the every kind of thing you would need equipment wise in the gym. So um, great set up uh, and also a couple great clinicians man i've already learned a ton in uh this first week uh and also made me realize how much uh, further my development needs to go so um it, it also kind of it's helping me identify the areas where i really do feel comfortable and also the areas where i know i need to improve in terms of what type of diagnoses i feel good with um you know also you know i I feel great from an intervention standpoint and a loading standpoint, but um, you know, I haven't done, I haven't done manual, it's a manual work in a couple of years. So, you know, and, and I know that that's not a huge part of most of the treatment plans that, that, you know, I'm, I kind of tried to develop or that they use, but you know, there's enough of it um, in there that I need to make sure I've got my, uh, my tools down and my, uh, my skills down. So uh, it's been a, a great first week. I'm excited for 11 more, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you, you know, how it goes, man, you, you can never learn it all. But that's that's good. Learning from the best. You got to teach us all you know. Because I mean, we know we know Zach is Zach. Zach's great. But I also hear that Jordan Barry is like a prodigy, man. He's like what a year out of school. He's practicing like he's already done it for a decade, apparently. 
Man, I watched Jordan do an eval the first in the first week of uh, you know using um, their symptom behavior model that Ice preaches and that I've heard um, you know Jeff Moore talk about and uh, and watching it in person and just how it flowed. I was sitting there like, whoa, that's some next level crap right there, man. I need <laughs> I gotta step my game up. Uh, but no, it was it was it was re- it's been really beneficial to just see a lot of that in action. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, they're both great and they both bring some some. You, you know, unique and different skill sets together. So I got a nice little combo going. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, I can maybe, uh, you know, get some things from both of them and, and lead into a, a good start to a career uh, come January. For sure, man. That'll, that'll definitely make us all better too. So uh, CrossFit Games 2019 just, just concluded. Yeah. Uh, Matt Frazier, Tia Toomey, what'd you, what'd you think about it? Man, they're, they're impressive individuals. They really are. Um, it's, you know, the format was different this year. The point scoring was different this year. Obviously, the events change every year, and yet the these two seem to always end up on top. So they uh, they seem to be doing something right. Obviously, they're very you know they're very gifted um, you know uh, gifted athletes, but they also put in so much work, and uh, you can see it uh, year in and year out. They're always prepared, no matter what it is. So it's it's always impressive uh, impressive to watch them work. Um, I can't say I loved this year's setup as much as I have in years past, just because it, you know, there was, it removed some of the drama to tell you the truth a little bit. You didn't have like the epic day three and four comeback from some guy that was like 20th because there just wasn't enough time. They did those cuts so quickly um, that you didn't, you know, guys like a Vellner who every year seems to have a rough couple of events at the beginning, but somehow fights back to be on the podium. You didn't really have that this year. Um, you had a little bit of drama with Noah holding on the first for a little while, but um, you know, it kind of, I guess, maybe it was a little expected. Matt was going to come back and do what he needed to do, and and that's what ended up happening. But on the girls' side, there was no drama, um, really. Um, so it, uh, in the mayhem, the team mayhem was up by like two hundred points. So I think I, I didn't love the cutting system this year, but you know, it is what it is, man. So that's uh, that's like what four now, four in a row for Frazier. Four in a row, yeah. Tied uh, tied Froning's uh, individual record of four total and four in a row. Um, and Froning just Froning just won his fourth affiliate titles. Now he has eight yeah. golds and two silvers in ten years at the games, um, which is just insane. And then Tia was the first female uh, athlete to win her third, um, and she also has done that consecutively. But Katrin had won two, Annie had won two, and Tia had won two going into this, and they were all in the field. Tia is the first to get to three. Damn, so Frazier's like what five five seven one five probably five seven one ninety one ninety five something like that. He cleans three eighty, no big deal. Dang. Thicker than yeah. a bowl. Oh man, that boy is he. What a beast, man! I I saw the drama on the last thing. Like apparently Olsen had a chance, and then he just powered through. Yeah, um, that's that's great. So the sanctional thing, sanctional thing, kind of backfired a little bit, right? Because well, went, like there's people that couldn't even do like the uh, legless rope crimes. Yeah, know? yeah, I think, and we it, kind of expected that a little bit from like their national champs. You know, depending on where that that country is, you know, the the development of the sport there might not be the same. So that was kind of expected at least initially. But it, for me, it wasn't even the it? qualifying that was as yeah. So I mean, it was kind of expected. Like you knew there were going to be some people that rolled in that weren't going to be able to do very well in some of these events. Like you kind of. <sighs> That was kind of expected a little bit, but what I wasn't expecting was how quick the cuts were going to come on. I mean, they, they cut to 10 athletes after one event. That was a, just a sprint, a sprint with some agility work on Saturday morning. So really like they, they, they cut down to 10 with still, let me think one, two, three, four, five, like six events left. Um, and you were down to the final 10 for, you know, and so it, that I think they could have adjusted when they, when they did those cuts personally. Um, 
but um so i, I mean if they're going to do national champions you're always going to have that country that has one or two affiliates where that's going to happen so but you can't do a rope climb and <laughs> you're at the crossfit games man i don't know is that i i uh, I mean, well, I that's guess, why they—that's why they put that, I guess, in the first event because you are yeah. trying to just cut the field down to the only the people who deserve to be there. And realistically, there was only maybe one or two people that got cut from the first event where you were like, "Whoa, that was unexpected," and it was mainly yeah. because of a tactical error. Somebody who rushed through the first couple of rope climbs started to fail, and then it got bad. You know, um, okay. and so there really wasn't any big surprise on either the male or the female side after the first event, other than maybe one or two people. Um, out of the 140 or whatever did it. Um, so that first one wasn't too too crazy. But then, you know, they went right to 50 after that. The next event cut to 50, and then it was like 40, and then 30, and then 20, and then you're at 10 by Saturday morning. And it was like, man, that was they – they went through that quick. Yeah, for sure. All right, I was just wondering because I, I was wondering if that was like a, a strategy just to get the casuals to be like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's interesting for sure, man. And the biggest thing, you know, not to get too off topic, is the financials, man. Like, some of those people are spending ten grand to make that trip happen. You know, if you're coming from a obscure country somewhere, uh, you know, across the world, you got to pay for a flight, you got to get a hotel, and you can't get a hotel for one night because, I mean, who knows how well you're going to do? Everybody believes they're going to make it till the weekend, so you're going to get a hotel for a few nights. You're going to, you know, you have to pay to actually register to do the event. You know, it's not a free registration, um, and most of those people, those individuals, don't have sponsors so they're paying yeah. out of pocket i mean and it's it can be thousands of thousands of dollars to make that trip happen and you Just know be, you're you're there for one event so you got to yeah. kind of make that uh make that determination on whether it's worth it for you yeah that's uh that's called a jobber that's a person who uh gets in and out quickly and makes the good athletes look even better so yeah i guess uh there you go so the sanctions allow the jobbers to come through for a day and uh go back home 10 yep. grand a piece good good money making strategy there all right <laughs> All right, man. So let's dive into this episode a little bit. So we have well, three or four listener questions that we wanted to, to address. So, we, you know, we appreciate all the views and, and the guys leave us in the DMs on Instagram, a lot of stuff. But what we kind of did was I guess we let them build up over the course of a month or so. So figure we just kind of go one by one and, and just kind of go back and forth and, and see how it goes. And I hope that we do your questions justice uh, in answering them. So number one, First question we got was, why are some people motor morons? And um, Josh, I think that uh, you probably will have a lot of insight in this, you know, if you're athletic background, you're coaching, but I thought what I'd do is maybe just kind of, I don't know, define what a motor moron is and, and talk about maybe. Yeah, for sure. Some, Go ahead. Some suggested reasons for why might they might be and see what you think. So, you know, basically motor moron, think, think of it like a, like a term of endearment, right? So this is essentially a person who just doesn't have very good spatial awareness basically they're uncoordinated right so i don't know man paint the picture for us so that's um that's like um a lane from seinfeld dancing or <laughs> that's, a, that's a really old uh, example there uh, yeah. th- uh maybe maybe the very first time that you tried to perform a, a snatch or a clean and jerk i don't, I don't know what else you got josh what's a, what's yeah. a good example for me um if you you know we've all been in the gym if you've been in coaching for a little while where you're working with somebody and you have literally tried everything you can to get them to be able to perform the movement you're trying to have them do and it doesn't matter what cue you're doing what type of cue you're doing how you're framing it you know whether you've you're pulling out all the tricks and and they're struggling with it right and and uh, you know that some 
know, for whatever reason, yeah. you know, certain individuals, you know, might have a little bit more difficulty picking up uh, certain things. So, um, yeah, and that happens in the clinic too. You get somebody, especially they, you know, they've never, they've never done a squat before and you're trying to teach them how to squat and it can be an adventure. That's for sure. Yeah. For sure. So, and I don't think anybody knows exactly what happens, right? There's probably just a lot of theory. I think some people are going to say it's genetics and, and that's probably the most accurate answer. But at the same time, you could also see it as a, as a cop out too, because you'll hear people say things like, you know, this person lacks coordination because they skipped crawl when they were a kid because uh, they never got a chance to develop that kinesthetic awareness and, and some of those like anatomical adaptations that happen in that phase. Other reasons might be because I, and a person you know, nature versus nurture here, right? Maybe a person just didn't get a chance to move or didn't get a chance to have a variety of movement growing up. You know, maybe they didn't play multiple sports or they just didn't play a lot, didn't play outside. You know, that, that makes sense, right? We, yep. you know, they keep cutting recess back for these kids nowadays. Um, so then, you know, you don't get exposed to all those three stages, right? There's what the, it's cognitive, associative, autonomous. That takes me back to 2007. Um, Boom, bringing it back. <laughs> that's right, man. And so you don't get a chance to develop the neural connections that would come about in the first place with that. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what's going on whenever we become proficient in movement, right? It's strengthening those, uh, those connections and those, um, you know, pathways, you know, you're basically, you know, essentially myelinating those pathways from repeating them over and over again and perfecting it. And that is what allows us to perform those, those movements so seamlessly and fluidly. Um, but not, you know, if somebody's never done that pattern before, their, their brain does not know how to do it, right? So, mm -hmm. um, the goal there for me is, is, um, you know, is to find out, uh, find a way that's going to allow them to do it. So it could, for me, a lot of times, a lot of it's tempo, it's slowing them down. Um, it's making them pause at certain points. It's correcting position when they are paused. So, I mean, it could be a very, very, uh, you know, the squat's a great example, uh, a very slow squat in which I have them pause multiple times on the, on the eccentric and I'm adjusting their position. I'm shifting their weight. I'm getting them into the position. And then, you know, over time you're re reducing, um, you know, all those, the, the breaks during that, the pauses, the, the tempo and you're, you're slowly working your way back into it. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different methods uh, to, to work with those individuals. Um, mm -hmm. I think removing, um, removing the complexity at first and then slowing them down and, and using pauses effectively uh, and then really trying to figure out what kind of cueing is going to work for them. But you can't, you're not going to always be able to cue somebody into it. So uh, you got to have a few other tricks up your sleeve. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you, you mentioned one thing. You said something about how, like, their, their body doesn't match what their brain wants them to do. And, and people in the clinic that are these quote unquote motor wands, I mean, they, they oftentimes are incredibly frustrated, right? Because yeah. you know, they can, they can envision what they want to do, but for some reason it's just not happening. And um, you know, I, I think that what you got to do as a clinician is, I mean, you've, you've got to set people up for success if you want them to learn that skill and you got to figure out a way to create an environment um, it's sort of a way where you're enabling us some small victories to occur. Um, and that kind right. of puts people in a winning mindset and, and that can be helpful to break through one of the pieces of that psychology. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, keep it, you know, avoid, uh, taking out the complexity. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's, uh, that's a huge start breaking things up into components and, um, uh, that's probably not even not enough. Right. You know, queuing, queuing is going to be key. Yeah. You talk about that. You might not be able to QA out of things, but I think that if, when it comes to queuing, if you can get something down to one phrase or even one word, keeping it simple is going to be preferred or else you, you tend to create a paralysis or analysis situation. So, um, you know, yeah. I think, I think an example of that, like, you know, you talked about the, like, let's say, let's say you talked about the squat, right. right? So let's say we even break that down further. Say you're trying to get someone to brace or, or, you know, breathe for that movement, squat, deadlift, press, whatever it might be. So you wouldn't say like something like, okay, now we need to take a diaphragmatic breath. I want two thirds of this going through your belly, one third through your chest. Now, 
Uh, pretend your trunk's a, a sphere, but not a hollow sphere. It's actually a fluid ball. And, and what we're doing is creating intradermal pressure. You get where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, exactly. So instead, you might just say, take a deep breath and get tight or take a fat breath and get tight. And a lot of times that can, that can take care of the problem, right? You know what's going on as a coach and a clinician, but you know, that's not going to always transfer to the person that you work with. Um, and then, hey, so we're talking about cueing, right? Um, the, we talk a lot about external versus internal cues. You got any, anything you want to uh, add to that? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, right? That's a, that's a debate where um, I tend to gravitate towards, I want to give them an action to do. So I don't necessarily say like, hey, I want you to try to keep your chest up or something where I'm having to focus on a, a body part or something like that. An example would be like, again, keeping that squat, say their torso folds forward. I might say like, hey, I want to be able to see the logo on your shirt the whole time. And like, I'm giving them more of like, an, you know, something a little bit more actionable they can do or, uh, you know, for, for that. Like, it's like, I'm not saying like, hey, I want you to externally rotate uh, you know, as you squat down and kind of, you know, like the idea of like screwing your feet in the floor, I want you to, uh, you know, I'm telling them, okay, I want you to think, you know, I either use a band or say, all right, you got a rubber band around your knees. I'm going to try to break that rubber band. You're going down. You know, I'm giving them kind of more of like an action of something to do versus like, you know, really making it more of like an internal cue where they're focusing on a specific body part or something. So, so um, minute like that, um, that is, you know, I found that ends up being a little bit more effective. Um, and I wanted to quickly back up to kind of one thing that you had said, um, basically the paralysis by analysis, um, you, you can't give this type of individual too much to think about. It's got to be one thing at a time. And you also have to give them time to figure it out on their own. So you can also over cue in this situation. It's very easy to do, but sometimes you have to let them do a few reps incorrectly and see, can they start to figure this out? Right. It, it's one of those things you want to like basically give them, like a block of time and let them go through, practice it, try it, do a few reps, then have them pause, give them a little bit of feedback, have them go again and let them see, can they figure out themselves? That's really going to help them drive those pathways and, 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 you know, be able to better perform that movement than me basically correcting, you know, giving them something new to think about after every single rep and telling them a hundred different things to do. It's, it's like, it's one thing at a time, give them a second to try to figure it out a couple reps, see if they can see if they can start working that direction. Um, and then I like to make it more of like a, an external focus or an action if possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess just piggybacking on both of those points. So going back to the external cues, I mean, the, the literature does support external cue in for motor learning over internal cues or I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And external internal. Um, so yeah, you know, just like you're saying, you know, inst instead of, telling someone to fire off their glutes and open their knees you tell them to break the band or rip the floor apart or if you got someone that you want them to pick up the pace instead of saying you know move your feet faster pick up your legs higher you might just say hit r2 mode baby you know, that's a turbo button from that right and the reason why you say stuff like that is because learning is also an emotional experience so anytime you can incorporate things from someone's past or you know as many sensory details as you can they're going to tend to remember it better as far as that goes um Yep. And then the second point you said about almost allowing people to, to troubleshoot, right? Um, mm -hmm. Let give them a chance to figure it out. I mean, that's, that's huge as well too. So it's almost like you want to include protocols, like almost like a, like a, basically an if then type of situation. So like, you know, say, you know, someone doesn't have the prerequisite mobility to pick up a barbell from the ground. You know, you're going to say, we're going to rack pull or trap bar deadlift till we get it. Um, or if your anchor mobility is in your squat, we're going to mobilize that every day until we get it, that kind of thing too. And, and that also allows, you know, and this is one other point I would make, that allows them to get some repetition and some consistency with whatever pattern, be it scaled or components or not. Um, you know, because oftentimes you want to learn a new skill, you know, we got to practice it consistently. And the reality is it can take hundreds or thousands of reps for things to click and for those connections to take place. So uh, 
patience is a virtue as well. Yeah, and then I just to again, we've kind of started to beat this this one to death a little bit. But you mentioned something early on, and that was uh, you know those a lot of times those individuals are just as frustrated that they can't do it as you are, right? And so one, you're not using the term motor moron ever, right? You're never actually no, telling me no, that's right. Like maybe that's rule number one. In case you're already thinking about it, is like you're keeping that one to yourself. We should have started you. with that. Yeah, you got, don't ever tell somebody they're motor moron. But also like you know, I love how you say give them ways to have small victories, um, and that is. Um, so important, right? Because then that's going to build a little bit. Confidence is huge. And, you know, they're already going to be frustrated because they can't, they, they're in their mind, they can see what they need to do. They know what they need to do sometimes and they just can't physically perform it. And so finding ways to help them, you know, help them perform well and get those little victories, that can go a long way, man. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right. Question number two. So this one was, what are some strategies for how you stay up to date with research AKA drones to follow anything to subscribe to you receive email notifications from people you follow on Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, how to efficiently get, get through, uh, reading the material. So Josh, I, uh, you want to take the lead on this one? Man, that, that's that, so there's a lot of options here, right? And I think first and foremost, you have to also determine you as a learner. How do you best learn, right? Are you somebody that can, are you, are you fairly auditory and that you can hear it and that and retain it, right? If that's a great option that, or if that's you, then, uh, you know, podcast, audiobooks, things like that are a great option, right? Because you can, you can possibly be, you know, doing that while you're doing something else, right? Maybe driving and listening to an audiobook or a podcast or exercising and listening to something like that, if you learn well that way. Uh, some people are not very, um, you know, auditory in their, in their learning. They're, they're much more visual. They need to see it or they need to be writing and taking notes for, um, for them to be able to retain information. So that, you know, we can give you all the strategies in the world, but you got to also figure out what, how you best learn so you can pair those strategies to be the most effective so um you you know that the question the person gave a lot of uh great potential options right so you have yeah. uh, podcasts you know i am a podcast guy uh, obviously you know we we do one uh, so uh, i yeah. think we both um you know or at least uh into podcasts a little bit i've got a long list of ones um i don't necessarily listen to all of them a lot of times i subscribe to it i see who the guest is or what the topic is and it might be something you know if i see like it's something interesting then um i'll uh, you know i'll check it out so just as an example right now um ones that are in my rotation um i'm obviously studying still for the MPTE. So I got to give our previous uh, podcast guest, um, Alan Frednall um, on there. Uh, he had, he has the best PT podcast. It's basically him um, reading, you know, basically him giving you all the information you need to know for the MPTE. So I would check that one out if you're studying. There's also um, MPTE study cast or MPTE clinical files. So those are in my rotation currently now. Um, but then when, then it's, you know, finding things in the genre you're trying to learn more about. So I'm a big Mike Reinald guy. I like Mike, Ask Mike Reinald show. I think that's a great one for PTs out there. Um, and there's a ton of, uh, you know, ones for strength and conditioning coaches. Some of my favorite ones um, are uh, the Look Good, Move Well with Marcus Philly. Uh, I like the OPEX has a podcast. Um, who else has? Hey, I'm trying to scroll through here. There are good ones. Big Dogs has a podcast too. Um, those are those are great for strength conditioning, um, nutrition. Nova Three has a podcast. They don't put out a lot of new ones, but they've got a lot of old ones that are that are really good. And then I like to support some of our friends and listening. So and listen to them. So Riley and Forging Fury. Uh, I listen to Shantae. Um, you know, and hers, the maestro on the mic. So there's so many good ones out there, man. Um, pain reframed. If you're a PT, you're trying to really expand your knowledge around pain and pain science is a good one. So those are some podcast options. I don't know if you've got some, some that you listen to. 
Yeah, you know, you know, as you're talking, I was kind of thinking about this too. Um, I, w- I should, I should have prepared a list. So I, I hope I, I, I pulled it up on my phone. It's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. But no, I was, I was thinking about this, like the, this, the stuff that I use, like my resources have changed so much over the years since I've been practicing. So I've been practicing like eight and a half years now. And like, it's, it's almost like our, like a profession goes through a different era. And, uh, I'm not sure if I like any of them, to be honest with you. Cause like, so, you know, when I graduated in 2010, like we were like in the, you know, you do what you learned in PT school era and that included everything, right? Everything was in your NPT book. And then after about three years, it was the manual therapy era, right? Everybody started to do dry needling. You had to do that or else, you know, you weren't going to have people come to your door and you needed to scrape stuff and crack stuff, that kind of thing. Three years later, it was all all about pain science, right? All about, you know, it's, it's, you know, you got to, you know, basically become a psychologist and, you know, everything else follows, uh, you know, it's secondary, but now we're seeing some holes, uh, you know, been put into that now. Right. Right. And now we're seeing like, it's pretty much all exercise, right. You know, let's abandon all this other stuff, all about the exercise. Honestly, I think that one kind of, you know, uh, su- uh supports my agenda a little bit more, but I think that the reality is, is that, you, you know, if you're going to be an effective clinician, you need to be some kind of a mutt, basically some kind of a combination of all four of those. Um, Anyways, I'm kind of going on a tangent with that, but, you know, I think that, um, I, I really don't tend to follow a ton of physical therapy stuff. So podcasts, I think honestly doing this podcast has been my number one way to stay up to date because, you know, when we have to record one of these things, I, I, I usually at the very least going to jot down some bullet points. Um, and if I'm going to throw out some stats or some numbers studies, I'm going to look those up ahead of time. Right. And so just taking the time to actually research the stuff every week keeps me up to date. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of good ones out there. I mean, um, yeah, I think you mentioned a few of them, but, uh, the PT on ice daily show, you know, you yeah, give out so much too. free content on a daily basis is, is average, you know, as, yep. as advertised. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I occasionally I'll, I'll listen to ask Mike Reynolds show, but, um, you know, that's, that's about it as far as, you know, PT podcasts go. Right. Uh, but I do think that it's like the, the, one of the best ways to disseminate information, but that all right. comes down to the learner. Yeah. Um, speaking of audio, well, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if you're not an auditory learner, I was going to start, you know, going into some potential other ways to keep up with, with information. If that was, that was where you wanted to go. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess while we're, while we're on the topic of auditory as well, um, you are, we are subscribed to virtual ice and yeah. I've talked about this several times through several podcasts, but it's a $30 a month subscription to the Institute of Clinical Excellence. And what is it, what it is, is each week, one of the faculty members each Tuesday night, actually they do a lecture and you can sit in it live, but they also record it. So a lot of times I'll listen to it on a commute or while I'm working out. Um, really and truly, you know, if I had to nail down one thing that keeps me up to date besides doing our podcast, it'd probably be that one. It'd probably be virtual ice. You know, they basically do the work for you. And the speakers are world-class, right? It's your Jeff Moores, your Mitch Babcocks, um, Zach Long, Christina Previtt, Morgan Denny. I mean, there's so many of them and there's such a diverse set of topics. It's everything from, you know, framing your subjective to current recommendations on assessing, interpreting blood pressure. So it's, it's really, really good. I, I highly I recommend it. We've been subscribed for like over two years now and um, don't plan on canceling that anytime soon. Yeah, no, I think that's a great option, man. And I think, um, you know, I also do, um, I at least listen to fitness athlete Friday, every Friday for, uh, for the ice, uh, the daily ice show. Um, I don't always get every single one in, but I definitely don't miss uh, that one. Cause that's again, the population that I tend to, to tend to work with, but um, the virtual ice is awesome. I think um, for me, one thing that's been helpful too, the physio network's been cool, man. Um, and they actually have an audio component now um, on their later episodes or later um, issues. Basically is um, uh, you get a, a summary written from, uh, you know, someone that's an expert in that area who's like basically taking a journal article they found relevant uh, and they synthesize it 
uh, for you into something that takes you, you know, five to seven minutes to read. Um, and so you get, you know, a, a dozen of those a month. So, you know, it takes an hour to hour and a half to really dig through and, and, you know, you know, that whole, uh, issue basically is whether you know basically like a magazine you get the issue you read through it and, and oftentimes it leads me to want to go on certain articles that are more relevant to what I'm trying to, to learn I can I can dig deeper into that one if I feel like I need to um, and you know the Normally, I don't love, I like to look at the information myself and try to make, come to my own conclusions, but uh, I find that, you know, the people who they have on this team of people that are, that are synthesizing the information for us, um, they, do, they do a great job. You know, it's people who are, who are really objectively framing things. And so I found that to be really helpful to get in, you know, that's how I get in, uh, you know, the first dozen articles probably every month that I end up looking at are the, you know, summaries first, not um, of, from those individuals. And then I dig into a couple of them each month a little bit further. Um, and mm -hmm. then, uh, so that, that's a big one for me, um, the physio network. Um, and then I also subscribe to a couple forums, um, you know, you know clinical athlete. Um, I'm still a you know, student member of clinical athlete and they have a forum where I get a ton of information. Um, OPEX has a membership site. I get a ton of information that way. Um, you know, I still, you know, I have my CSCS still is, uh, I'm still technically an NSCA member. So I get, you know, the journal of strength conditioning research, you know, I'm, or the ortho section. So I get the JOSBT and, you know, so there's, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do. I think for me, the most important thing is not necessarily where, you know, cause there's so many options and you really can't go wrong. Um, and I find that I can read it or listen to it and I retain it probably about the same. For me, it's more about the process of actually budgeting time for it. Um, it's, it's, I find myself struggling with that aspect more than finding the information. Um, the information's there and I, I feel like I know where to go. Um, it's more about making sure that I put time into my schedule blocked out on my calendar to go through this. So I know when physio networks coming out. So I have like blocked in every month on a, a designated day, um, where I go through that every month and I have it in my calendar and that's what keeps me honest and keeps me um, up to date with it. Otherwise it gets, it gets tough if you're just kind of doing it here and there and don't have like kind of a routine. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely good to time block and just have dedicated time to focus on yeah. one thing instead of having all the distractions. But, you know, I think you mentioned the forums and, um, you know, kind of where you get your articles from, that kind of thing. But Twitter is actually a pretty good similar type of thing. You know, if you can kind of sift through all the old dudes complaining to the airlines about the flights being delayed, as if that makes a difference. But it's a good place to you know get up to date news and, and therefore new articles, you know, new ones that are actually kind of trending in the PT and straight and edition world. Um, you won't, do you do Twitter? I, I have a Twitter, but I can't tell you the last time I logged in. Yeah, it's for, for that reason, you know, if you're, if you're trying to look for, you know, up-to-date research and articles and, and summaries that you can then dive into later, it's a pretty good resource for that. So some people I tend to follow, uh, Greg Lehman, and as much as I hate him from being a dork from the UK, Adam Meekins, um, if you're looking for an exercise related, con if, if you're looking for really good exercise related content, um, go with them, um, for sure. Um, Jill Cook, she is kind of the queen of tendinopathy. She puts out a lot of really good stuff and, and uh, on a regular basis. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say queen, but uh, anyways, um, I'm spending, I'm not spending a ton of time strictly on PT stuff. Um, see, strength addition, a, a lot of people. So like people like Mike Boyle, Travis Mash, my TPI, Charlie Weingriff, um, a, a lot of people from there. Like, I think they, they just post a lot of clinically, clinically relevant stuff that I actually use in the setting. Yeah, man. There's um, so many people on, the, uh, I'm an Instagram guy. So like the, the number of people to follow, I almost have too many now to where it's like so many, so much information is, is streaming through the newsfeed. Mm -hmm. If I stopped to read each post and, and what the caption said, and then had, if it was like, had an article with it to, to dive in deeper, it would just 
it would just be too much. So for me, I have kind of my, my go-tos and then people, everybody's got to figure out who their go-tos are. Right. So like I read everything that Zach puts out. Right. And I did that before I knew I was going to have a clinical rotation to him. Now I make sure I do it. So that way, if he puts something out, I didn't miss it. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, <laughs> but people like that, like you find who you resonate with and who you think does a good job in the field and then, you know, pick a couple of those people and then try to read most of what they put out and then, you know, you know, try to expand out as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram for sure, man. I think they've, they've definitely nailed down the uh, dopamine response, like the, the infinite scrolling that keeps you addicted to your screen. But man, there's, there's a lot of good ones. Um, Barbell Physio, Teddy Wilsley, um, my friend Mitchell Sadowski. He's actually Ian Poulter's personal trainer. He's kind of underrated. He have a lot of followers. Because he puts out some really good stuff. Um, Leon Knight. Uh, what's his name? Bobby uh, Ezenhart or Resbrandt, something like that. Gosh. He's good. He's really good. Um, he puts out a lot of like high level track athletes. Uh, Quinn Hinnock, right? You mentioned yep. athlete. Yep. Strength continuum. Vertex strength. Vertex um, strength. Chris. Shout out. Yeah, Chris Butler. <laughs> Chris. Chris Butler. Chris Johnson. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot. Of, so many. Man. Ton, ton of good stuff yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. Anybody yeah, else at that list? Man, I think you hit most of them. Um, I'll probably just I'll just leave it at that right now because that's already probably a, a lot. Um, but uh, you know, so I think that, like I said, is like kind of start evaluating how you you know what you think of their their content and and then see who you want to kind of really make sure you see their stuff. And then if you have extra time, you branch out from that a little bit too. Um, I know one thing too. He mentioned using like alerts and things like that. Uh, somebody that's big that does all that. I know is if you listen to um, Lenny Macrina talk about it from. Um, uh, champion PT performs up with Ronald. Um, he is big in, in diving into actual journal articles. And so he has, he, he's published a, a nice little list. Uh, I don't have it handy of like what journal articles he looks into. And he looks into, since he deals with uh, post-ops, he's looking into like arthroscopy and, and, and like different other big medical journals too. Um, but he also has like certain keywords and alerts. And he talks about how he does that. And that's his like Saturday morning routine. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's like he, you know, again, it, you, you block out that time, you have your process, how you're going to obtain the information you need. Um, he's also somebody to follow because he puts up a lot of stuff and, and, uh, you know, and a lot of great content too. So, um, there's another person to follow on Instagram. I think he's pretty active on Twitter from what I understand too, but yeah, it's sure. block out the time, figure out how you learn. And then, you know, the biggest thing is just do something right? You know, you'll, you'll, you'll refine the process over time. Um, I think if you actually just block out the time and then just try it, you'll, you'll figure out what works for you. Yeah, for sure. And as far as email subscriptions go, I don't, I don't really, uh, do many of those because my, uh, a big chunk of my day is actually spent kind of going through emails and responding to them and that kind of thing too. So, um, you know, the, the, the email subscriptions just, they get overlooked, get in my spam folder. So that's not something that I really, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I could be missing out on something, but, um, yeah, I know. have a lot of newsletters popping in, man. Half the time I don't even open them anymore. Yeah. Um, unless there's like something that really jumps out or it's somebody that I read most of their stuff. I'll, I'll read like a certain individual every week. They'll give you a little bit uh, of something every month. Um, so I might look at those, but yeah, I have a different email for all of those because it can, it can get a little crowded in there. Yeah, for sure. Well, you got anything else on this topic before we move no, on? man, block out the time and just go for it. Just, you know, just remember yeah. if you aren't learning, you're dying, you know? So That's always, right. always be trying to learn something, uh, you know, for what sure. it is, but just look, just try something. All right. Question number three, what should students do? What should physical therapy students do to prepare, prepare? Uh, words are hard today. I'm going to do this one more time. What should physical therapy students do to prepare for clinical rotations? Listen to the Better Faster podcast. There you go. That's yeah. it. <laughs> no, uh, well, thanks for listening to our TED Talk. Yeah, no. Um, 
Oh man. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a, that's a tough one, right? Because it depends a little bit on, you know, what type of rotation is going to be, what, what setting is it, you know, it very, it, you know, it's so varied. You know, I had, you know, I went from outpatient ortho to an acute care hospital to a, you know, skilled nursing facility. And so my classmates went to really in-depth neuro rotations and, and like none of those were by, by choice by us. You know, it wasn't until our last one where we had a little bit of a, a say in where we went. So it, it kind of depends a little bit. Um, I would just not be afraid to reach out to your CI early in the process. If you, if you know who it is, if you don't know who it is, sometimes you, you might get assigned a facility, at least in our school, you get assigned a facility and you might not know who your, knows who your CI is until closer to the date, but reach out to the facility, try to get in touch with someone and then just ask good questions like hey i'm just you know hoping to get a feel and you know to better be able to, you know, to, to better be able to prepare when you know, you know roughly like how many patients are we going to see and you know what kind of where are some common diagnoses what you know what you can start to get an idea of it a little bit you can also um you know go you know ask them a little bit about you know kind of their philosophy a little bit or if ask them if they have materials they want you to look at because oftentimes CIs will have a list and if they don't have one already a standard and you ask them for them most of the time they're going to give you something I know like you have something that you give out Zach gave me stuff to look at um, you know pretty much every rotation I've gone to I've been given some material beforehand so get that early so you can look at it go through it thoroughly and then you can expand upon that if you feel like an area you're, you're, you're a little weak in an area um, but it's really just be proactive um, and starting that communication early um, and then um, you know all those different things we talked about already in terms of people to follow or ways to obtain information it's you know maybe narrow your focus a little bit towards the setting you're going to go to so I know you know for this rotation for example I'm working with a lot of crossfitters and I'm working you know with a lot of people who like you know the goal is to really help them load you know load effectively stay in their class or their fitness regimen you know so I'm really doing a lot of activity modification and that kind of thing I'm not doing a ton of manual so if you're somebody who didn't feel great with exercise prescription and that kind of thing or understanding how to load, uh, you know, how to load, when to load, how to progress loading, that kind of thing, I would focus all my attention on learning that. And that, you know, you just have to figure out, okay, what is that facility going to do? And that's totally different than if you're going to a facility where you're seeing four patients an hour and you're putting hot pack and stim on people, right? Um, you still probably need to learn all the loading stuff. But, uh, you know, if you're trying to prepare for that rotation, you might want to make sure you understand the settings for your e-stim unit or your ultrasound. I mean, you know, because if you're going to have to do it, you better know how to do it. Um, and then you'll realize why you'll probably never do that again. But, um, you know, that's a, yeah, be proactive, communicate, find out what you'll be doing, and then structure your learning accordingly. Yeah, for sure. Even if you're in a mill clinic, you got to play the game. You're in school. So yep, you got exactly. to do well, to, no matter where you are. Yeah, I had to use diathermy on one of my rotations. Ooh. And, you know, like I will probably you never. Die inside a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, but you know what though? It was like, it was something, it was, it was, um, I was asked to do it. And so like, you know, I better know what the heck I'm doing. Right. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things you gotta, you gotta know it. Um, and you're going to have to know that kind of stuff for boards, at least right now anyway. So it can be actually a good review for boards when you're forced to use some of those uh, modalities that don't necessarily have some great evidence for them. Um, but you know, that's, um, that's something that you have to, you know, you're going to have to do. So, um, find out, find out what type of rotation it's going to be and then go from there. Yeah, man. And, and I agree with all your points. I think just how you started out, it's what you need to do to prepare is highly variable from clinic to clinic. And I think just taking the initiative to, you know, make that phone call or send that email to ask your CI, what should I do to prepare is definitely a good step because you're showing yes. initiative, right? That's a really good start. Um, you know, and the thing is, is, in terms of materials, I've been doing this for a while now, and, and there are not many students these days that slip through the cracks and get into PT school. So 
pretty much all of them are rock solid and didactic knowledge, especially on things like anatomy and stuff like that. So you know, as far as materials go, what I do is I do give out some didactic work on a weekly basis once they actually get to the clinic. And, you know, I'll, I'll do things like I'll separate it by region of the body in the beginning and I'll also include some things that we've highlighted from textbooks. Um, I got a few books I can read. And then along the way, we'll dive into different systems like McKinsey and FMS, SFMA. You know, I have a few videos, podcasts, things like that, that I give them along the way, but it's sort of structured um, mm -hmm. in a manner. Um, I try not to give them endless articles, but you know, the point is that I spread it out and I do it during the rotation so that we can talk about it together, like while they're with me. Uh, I do have other clinician friends that are great and they're going to give them things to read ahead of time and that's fine, but um, I just like to do it as to go. Um, so I guess just other things to do to prepare. I think um, just, just mindset wise, I think that it's, it's important to be coachable, right? Cause you know, I'll say this, man, every, every class that gets set into PT school and graduates from PT school is consistently better than the last because the standards change and it just gets more competitive. And man, you got kids coming in that never got to be on a single test in their life. So, you know, when they get into the actual clinical setting and something doesn't work out the way they wanted it to, you know, maybe they actually made a really sound clinical decision that just didn't work for whatever reason. The patient didn't get better. You know, sometimes these, these students, they have a hard time coping with that, believe it or not. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, as human beings, that's how we learn. And you can trace that back to, to being an infant, right? Babies, you know, we learn how to walk by learning how to not fall. So I guess one thing I'd say is, you know, be ready to jump in and make some mistakes, but, you know, don't let it crush you because that's all part of the game. I mean, you, you miss every shot you don't make. And one other thing to keep in mind too is, you know, if you're, if you're following some of these people on social media we recommended earlier in the last question, if anyone out there claims that 100% of their treatments, 100% of their patients get better 100% of the time, the fix is in, you know, because that's not real life. So yep. um, that's, that's they're selling something. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, you know, and I guess the other thing too, though, I guess for CIs out there, um, just to kind of elaborate on that is you know, with being coachable, there is a caveat. And, and as a CI, you know, it's, it's kind of like what we talked about, about motor learning, you know, actually psychomotor skills are a big part of what we do. And um, you've got to set up a situation where these students can succeed and, you know, praise is important. And, you know, when giving constructive criticism, you got to sometimes do the compliment sandwich, you know, that that's like, uh, you know, Hey Josh, you're really smart, but your email is garbage. Uh, but I bet you're fun at parties. I'm, you, I'm sure that, uh, that was probably an exact yeah. quote from my first rotation, ladies. And gents. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you know, when, when you got a student that does something good or rocks it out, you know, you know, make that praise loud in public, man. Everybody likes a compliment, especially they earned it. And, um, you know, when possible, when you got to make a correction, you know, do it privately. Um, now, obviously if there's a safety issue, that might not, you might not have the luxury for that, but, um, right. there's two sides of that. That's a two way street. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, honestly, this made me, this brought something to my mind um, from that Chris Johnson course when we hosted Chris, which was an awesome course. If you're looking to learn more about working with runners, I highly recommend it. But um, he talked about how one of the most beneficial things um, a lot of PTs could do is take an improv class, right? And and yeah. he, he meant it like kind of jokingly, but he's also not wrong in that regard because like one of the most important things we do is roll with punches, think on our feet, communicate well develop relationships, build trust. And those are all things that don't, it doesn't matter what you actually know from a clinical standpoint, right? Those are, that's like, that's people skills. That's learning how to talk with people that, you know, that, that, those are things that if you don't have a lot of experience with that, like I fortunately before PT school um, worked in the fitness world and had to communicate with hundreds of people each day at a very large CrossFit gym. So like, you know, sometimes that's developed over time, but if you don't have that luxury, man, um, you know, that's, 
that, you know, it's an interesting option. Um, but putting yourselves in that, in that, putting yourself in that situation or, um, even studying communication a little bit more, there are like motivational interviewing resources out there. There's, um, you know, a lot of things about language and what kind of language is important and how to frame things and all that kind of stuff, which all of that is nothing to do with, you know, if you know how to assess, you know, assess well or prescribe exercise or, or progress loading, you know, the things that we've talked about, like, you know, that's just learning how to work with people. Um, and so if you're, you know, somebody who's, you know, trying to uh, prepare for a rotation, you've never had to work with like a lot of people before, you know, put yourself in uncomfortable situations, you know, maybe an improv class is the way to go, or maybe it's just, you know, trying to expand and, and broaden your horizons a little bit. But I always thought that was an interesting piece of advice he gave us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was good. I, I I would actually love to do an improv class. Yeah, man, I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Probably yeah. be a disaster at first. Oh, I would be terrible. I'd stick with it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I know. But seriously, though, like that's a huge part of it. Like learning yeah. how to communicate with people. So like, you know, put yourself in those situations. Join, you know, go join a huge gym and just talk to people. You know, like yeah. a lot of this, there's like there's so many benefits to just being able to have a good conversation, be able to develop trust, and then also knowing the right kind of language to use. Um, that you know, there's a lot of articles that are being published on that too, where we we what we say matters almost as much as what we do, or maybe, you know, possibly some people say even more than what we do. Um, you know, so, you know, it, that's a huge portion of it. So understanding like, you know, what kind of things to say and what kind of things not to say, um, could also, you know, goes back to don't call somebody a motor moron, um, you know, yes. if they are, uh, so you know, maybe that's a, another aspect that if you feel like that's a hole in your game, maybe that's a way to address it. There you go. Um, I would, uh, uh, other things I would say preparing for the clinic is, um, you know, be ready to bring something to the table. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of PT students out there and there's not a lot of ton of slots to put them in. Right. So if you got something to offer, that's going to make you stand out. So Josh, I, I know like right now, uh, part of what helped you land your slot with barbell physio is that you were able to make them better, right. With your programming background. And I believe, I mean, you can speak on this, but you're going to be adding some content, right. And some actual value in different ways to their clinic. Um, but it does, you know, it doesn't have to even be that, right? You know, maybe, maybe you have some expertise in a niche market. Maybe you're good at graphic design and you can help them with some marketing. I mean, clinical rotations are going to be just like anything else in life. You're going to get what you put in. Yeah, no, I think that it's always good if you can use your skills to help your help your your clinic, help that clinician, your CI, but also um, you know help market yourself a little bit too. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to talk about it. I know, I know, people in the strength conditioning world have gotten jobs because they're they're great on developing content in social media. I know, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, you know different areas in which like you mentioned graphic design where you might have a skill that could be beneficial and could help out. Um, and so, yeah, don't be afraid to 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 bring that up or to show that you have that skill. Um, I don't know how much I bring to Zach. You know, he's pretty, he's already pretty good. So I don't know how much I'm actually helping. Um, I'm just hoping I'm not holding him back. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, but still, yeah, yeah, developing those relationships early. And like I, um, Zach and I collaborated on a couple of different projects over the last couple of years, with, you know, prior to me starting a rotation there. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, maybe that's not necessarily an option, but I mean, it's, it's also reaching out and communicating with clinicians that you, you've, you know, look up to or you value what they put out there. And most people are pretty, open to chatting with you. Right. Um, yeah. we talked, what didn't we talk about on here before about, you know, ask to take somebody to lunch you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or do something like that, or be willing to drive, travel, ask, you know, shadow, you start developing those relationships. And then, you know, if it's somewhere where you're thinking like, I'd love to work there, you know, like you said, try to bring something new to the table, something that, that, you know, adds value to, to what they're doing. Sure, I still did that. I still do that, man. I'm, I'm going to go uh, hang out with, um, coach Donald Butcher at, um, the Citadel here in a couple of weeks. Bro, I'm and, jealous, um, man. There's another guy to follow on well, Instagram. So this, so this is how, I mean, this is how I did it, man. Like I said, hey, coach, I, 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 you know, I enjoy what you do. I love all your stuff. I just love to hang out and pick your brain a little bit. 
man, I will fold your towels, do your laundry, whatever you need me to do. So whatever I can do to like make your life easier, maybe take, you know, save you 30 minutes out of your day. And he was all about it. Um, oh yeah. So I got no shame, man. It, whatever you got to do to get in, you know, you know, be able, be able to bring something there. Um, so, uh, you know, other, other things just kind of came to my mind is, um, j- I'm just thinking about like, um, you know, my current students right now, they're or my current student and Amy's, you know, they're, we're kind of sharing them both a little bit, but they're both great. Um, but you know, I, I, I like it when students are, you know, they're, they're taking the initiative to look over the caseload and prepping and, you know, coming up with some ideas to bounce around. And the, the thing about that is that that creates a really cool collaborative and learning environment. And, you know, with that said, realize that learning happens in a ro- learning that happens in a rotation is often going to be in, informal. It's not going to be always scheduled or in something like class. So, you know, do things like take the time to get into the front desk staff and you know how things work behind the scenes, especially if you think you're going to run a business one day and, you know, observe how people in the clinic speak to their patients on the phone or even when they walk in the door, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like these social dynamics, I mean, how we approach and establish different types of rapport and how we modify that uh, depending on the person's in front of is, is huge. And, and it's oftentimes comes with skill and experience and not really anything you can kind of learn in a textbook. Um, and uh, with that said too, um, with initiative, I'd say be clear about what you want to learn. I mean, this is, uh, this is America, right? Sometimes you got to make a little noise. You want to be heard. And, you know, for me, I feed off that energy. So if, like, say if you want to fine tune your manual therapy skills, speak up, right? If you want to learn business, let me know. And, you know, I'll do my best to, you know, block off some time for that. Um, but God, man, I, I don't know if I can think of anything worse than a student who just acts disinterested. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you're going to get what you put into it. Yeah, no, that's huge, man. It's like you got you, your rotation is going to be as good as you want it to be a lot of time. Now, granted that there's always going to be situations where somebody gets paired with the CI that they maybe just don't gel with a little bit, or maybe they, you know, they're they're that CI is practicing in a way where you're like, I'm never going to do this. But there's always a way to learn, right? Because a lot of times you're learning what not to do too. So like you're or what you're not going to do one day. So it is really about what you put into it. And if you're mm-hmm. engaging and you're working hard and you're asking the right questions and you're just trying to soak up everything you can um, even if the the you know the situation isn't perfect you can still get a lot out of it so um, go into it with an open mind um, try to learn everything you can and then you know once that rotation's over you know hopefully a few things carry over with you and then the things that you're never going to use again just you know <laughs> now you'll know why you'll never use them again for sure oh and i guess one more thing um apparently if you're going to come to vertex you're going to need to have a baseline level of fitness seeing as we did fran in the clinic the other day as part of a treatment session i was so jealous man i saw that and i was like man like you know not that i ever like really want to do fran but i'm sitting there like i want to be over there i mean not that we don't do cool stuff at onward too but like it was a big group and i was oh man that would be fun (laughs) dude both students man shout out to greg and tavi it it was their first crossfit workout man they crushed it nice Um, that's awesome all in man hopefully we'll be back for more yeah yeah hopefully i gotta it'd be interesting to ask them uh how how they felt later that day and the rest of the rest of the weekend or whatever that was that'd be that's funny man oh that's so great though but hey it just shows you know, just that's a perfect example why every every clinic's a little bit different, right? And so if you know I'm going I'm going to Vertex, then I would I and I, I see that on their Instagram. So I think look at if the clinic has an Instagram or social media, look it up, go to their website. What kind of things do they do? And you know, if I see that, I'm like, oh crap, I need to you know, Fran. I don't even know what that is. I need to look it up. I need to know what CrossFit is at least because apparently I'm working with CrossFitters, right? So um, it's another way of just figure out what that setting is like and then you know, address your, your, what you don't want, what you don't know about it and, you know, figure that out and then you can go in uh, and try to acquire more information. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, man. Um, we go, we do want to do this last one. Oh man. What's the last one? All right. Well, it, all right. So not a hundred percent sure what the question was, but it was, um, sharks 
and their role and strength and conditioning. So we're talking about sharks, right? I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about real sharks, talking about business so, sharks. Yeah, I was going to say, we say real sharks. Are we talking I, about the, uh, yeah, uh, like the people who are sharks? Um, I'll say this, man. My, uh, you know, my daughter and I, we, uh, we love to hunt for shark's teeth and go to the beach. I don't know. Oh, why, yeah. I don't know why, man. But it's it's a great hobby. I don't, I don't think you know anything about that, man. Back in Ohio, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, had to come out of, of, we had to come to yeah. these beaches. Yeah, yeah. If there's plenty of people from Ohio, Myrtle Beach, but yeah, uh, South Carolina's got tons of them. Following Myrtle, man, I actually made us a shark tooth necklace, man, straight out of the trailer park I grew up in in the '90s uh, from last month, man. And my daughter loves that necklace. Um, I'm just trying to buy time here. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, let's see, I don't let's know see, where um, to go with that. All right, all right, business sharks, business sharks. All right, so you're you're a fan of Shark Tank. I do right, like who, Shark Tank. Who would you partner with? And you can't say Mark Cuban because everybody, <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody wants to fly drones and drink tequila, of course, out of Mavericks yeah. game. So who else? Mark Cuban. Oh, man. Um, I think it depends on what I'm selling, man. It depends on what I got because they all bring good things to the table, man. If I got something that's like a QVC product, that you get, you got to go with Lori. But, like, you know, I think uh, – I like Robert. Robert seems pretty like a pretty cool dude, um, you know, but he's not on there all the time. I'm probably not partnering with Mr. Wonderful. Um Unless, you know, it just is something in, in like the wine business or something. So, uh, you know, he just, he maybe rubs me a long way a little bit. But, I mean, everybody, everybody's going to go with Mark Cuban, man. Um, and if I got clothing, man, I mean, you got to go with, uh, with uh, Damon John, man. You got to go with the guy that created that, you know, created FUBU. Right? So, uh, yeah, I think it just depends on what you got, what you bring to the table. Yeah, man, those are good choices. I, I, my, my first one besides Mark Cuban comes to mind is, is Damon, man. I was, I was a big yeah. fan of the Fubu brand. I still Fubu be wearing school, it. Yeah. Damon, yeah. I, but, but you know what though? Like if I've got something tech, I'm not going, I'm not probably not going with him. Yeah. I'm probably, I, although he is into the, the fitness game. He did own some like a CrossFit gym or two at one point, I think. Yeah. yeah no, he'd be fun to work with, man. I had to straight in my Fubu hoodies for uh, Lululemon once I got in the professional world, but um, <laughs> yeah, never forget. Um, yeah. I tell you who I wouldn't partner with is uh, is Barbara. Man, that lady gives me Barbara. Yeah, dude, she, she scares kind of, me a little bit. Dude, she reminds me of my ninth grade English teacher so much, man. It's like a spin. Yeah. Um, so uh, hard pass on that one. Hard pass hey, on that one. Yeah. Um. Last thing, man. Um. I this I don't know. This is maybe like five six years ago. Probably longer than that. I spent like ten minutes in the clinic explaining to a patient what a Sharknado was. Shout out Tara Reed. <laughs> Yeah, Sharknado. Oh man, we're getting I deep in these shark references now. Um, yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> Did they make like four of those? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had a patient um, one time. He was um, he was post op and he was out of work for a while. And he, I swear, this dude, his hobby was to watch the the sci fi B movies, like movies like Frankenfish and Sharknado and stuff like that. He would he would watch one every single day like before he came to the clinic and talk about it, it was hilarious but um oh my gosh. He, uh but yeah he got me on the sharknado for sure um, yeah yeah all right man that was, a, that was a fun episode that was a fun episode it, it got a little weird there at the end but i, I mean it was good <laughs> I, we appreciate the the shark question maybe we'll get some clarification on what uh that what they were looking for a little bit more um but i think we we went the right route man yeah Definitely. for sure Definitely. And, and of course, you're, you're going to pick Mark. Everybody's going to pick Mark. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants to get court side seats in the Mavericks games. It comes. Yeah, exactly, man. That's, and that's, that's part of my deal. I don't care what I make. I just want like court, I want court side seats at the Mavs game. I want to be able to drink Avion with the cast of Entourage too. That's, that's all right. Games. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I hope, I hope that we did everyone's questions justice. I think we spent plenty of time on them, but if we didn't let us know. And if any listeners out there have any other topics that you want us to touch on, DM us on Instagram. That's at Better Faster Podcast. As always, keep those iTunes reviews coming. We really appreciate those. Help us reach more people. Hope you all have a great week, and we'll be back next Monday.
This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.